Hello everyone, Matt here. Happy New Year. I uh, just wanted to quickly say before this episode, uh, when we recorded it, we had a few audio issues, uh, oversensitive mics, a bit of background noise, that sort of thing, you know, because we've introduced a few uh, new things. Uh, so apologies just in advance for that. Uh, the episode is still perfectly fine to listen to. Uh, I've edited it as best as I can, but just as I said, a pre-warning, apologies if there's a few oversensitive bumps that you hear in the backgrounds and things like that but uh, nothing we could do about it but we'll definitely have that sorted by next episode and here is to another year of warhammer enjoy the show Welcome to episode 69, a Ruin episode of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that we wrote our New Year's resolutions using leftover sprues. Hey, it counts as hobby. Um, <laughs> I'm your host, Matt, and joining me as always is a guy that 2021 is the number of pots of pallid witch flesh being hoarded just in case. It's Cameron. Oh, Happy New Year, mate. Wish. Happy New Year to you as well. We've left the corpse that is 2020 behind us, and hopefully this year will be better. I mean, it's off, it's off to a better start. We've still got a pandemic going, but people are getting vaccinated now. Thank God. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to maybe, maybe, maybe getting some actual uh, games of 40k and Age of Sigmar in this year. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like I said, it's it's still a continuation of where we were last year, but it's been nice to have a break. You know, hope everyone has enjoyed their you know festive break or whatever you celebrate or don't celebrate, etc. But has had a nice little you know time to chill and you know enjoy your hobby, eat lots, drink lots. Uh, definitely done all. Well, definitely done those last two anyway. And, <laughs> <laughs> and here we are in twenty twenty one, full of lovely. Warhammer stuff to talk about as always it never stops mm -hmm. so it never does so stop. hope you've enjoyed <laughs> it so uh yeah so we discussed at the end of last year that it we would be sort of changing it up this year to a degree i when it comes to episodes we're still sticking with the the realm and the ruin episodes but they will be you know quite a bit shorter now so they'll be roughly about the hour mark it was just so to you know sort of take away the the time burden of editing and and everything like that mm. it just like i said that's a big impact on life so just to keep things sort of smoother and keep the show going we decided that we're going to sort of just streamline the episodes a bit more and so like i said if you didn't sort of listen to uh, last episode then you know about it now so <laughs> you have been told <laughs> and so hopefully with that though it may mean we can do a few more waffle episodes for example we'll sort of chuck yeah. a few more of those yeah. in because we'll have a bit more time to sort of do those as well so 
uh, it, like I said, it's a new year and hopefully a new you, if that's what you want to do. <laughs> and being a new you, do you come along and join our Discord? You know, we've got uh, yeah. things kicking off on there in a good way. No, no one's kicking off. Uh, but <laughs> we're kicking <laughs> off uh, 2021 hobby plans, things that people want to achieve this year. Uh, like I said, we've got our, always got things going on. We've had some um, some video gaming over the the. Uh, the Christmas break as well. We sort of uh, mm-hmm. organised a few bits. Obviously, we got our um, our uh, table uh, tabletop simulator games. We've got our tabletop RPG games, and obviously, it is full of lovely, friendly people that want to talk about Warhammer with you. So, yeah. it's free to join. Link will be in the description. Come along, be brave, <laughs> join us, and uh, so yeah, that's I think about it really for for admin. Let's get stuck into it cameron let's not hold back our bellies are getting hungry (laughs) it's time to talk lore so here we are this is the first ruin episode of the year and we're kicking it off we're kicking off big cameron who are we Mm -hmm. talking about we're talking about the sons and daughters of Bayamat. Indeedy. Um, officially, it's Sons of Bayamat, I guess. But, like, they do mention Sons and Daughters within this wonderful tome. So, I assume they're around somewhere. Yeah, I, I, I was going to... That's actually... Let's start off there. That's actually something mm. I was going to talk about. Because um, I, I found that quite interesting, the sort of the references. And, actually, before we do talk about that, like I said, what we're going to do now when we discuss, like, a new battle tome, or one we've not covered, like the one we're about to do now in this sort of new format is we're going to rather than us sort of bombarding you with information you know sort of quite regimented and going through that it that way uh we're basically going to sort of be quite to you know take it like a conversation like a discussion where you know we'll cover the book in general but we'll be sort of yeah. rather than sort of you know going through each paragraph and everything like that we'll just be hitting the highlights and sort of you know where the two of us will be just sort of chatting about it in quite a casual way really so Mm. that's mm. just to warn you so yeah that's uh, that's interesting actually with the <laughs> what you just said then because there is reference like i said to daughters um and then i was thinking you know do we get female gargants i presume we do yeah yeah like the, there's literally a line like the sons and daughters of Bayamat at one point mm. so they are out there somewhere my sneaking suspicion is that they only produced the one mega gargant kit yeah, and it's a very obviously more masculine kit, and I think if they want to make something a little more obviously female, they might have had to make either an extra sprue in it or an entire separate second Mega Garden mm. kit. Yeah, and the thing is, Games Workshop, Games Workshop doesn't like selling two kits for the same unit. Like That's they would true. want to make it another unit, which would be kind of weird to have the male and female gargant separated with different rules and war scrolls and stuff. Yeah. I think they probably went design-wise. All the little ones are already more or less male, so we'll just make mm-hmm. all the big ones male for now. We'll mention that there are female ones in there. Gargants don't just burst out of holes in the ground. Um, <laughs> although, according to gargant law, sometimes they do. Um, but <laughs> out, of, out of mouth. <laughs> yeah, out of a mouth. Um, but yeah, they're out there somewhere. And actually, I was mm. rereading this this afternoon to sort of rejig my memory and good lord i want to do a um a gatebreaker that's just a brunhilde style <laughs> lady gargant with a big spear and a shield 
<laughs> That'd be amazing. That'd be really cool. Um, it'd take a bit of work, but it'd be doable. Yeah, I, I think, I think they've kept it open deliberately. Like you said, it's mm. it. You're right. Okay, they're called the Sons of Bayamat, but ultimately it is you know sons and daughters. And I suppose, like like you said, from a kit perspective, they probably made it so that you can you know obviously kit bash convert them to be you know whatever mm. you want them to be basically. Yeah. So. Yeah, they've left it open, I think. And I like that. Again, I, I suppose it's the same mm. with, with Ogres as well. You know, where, yeah, you know, obviously the, the model range is, you know, is obviously all male apart from, obviously, the one in um, Blood Bowl. Blood you Bowl. know, the, isn't there the one with the Forge yeah. World one? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, you know, and that's that's really cool. And I think, again, it just but it gives you full range to, you know, basically do them ha- however you want, really, which sort of makes sense mm. in the way it should be. So, no, that's really cool. Yeah. I like the way they've done that. Yeah. And actually, there's a there's a great little bit in this book that we're not going to discuss because it's not law. Uh, but in the painting section, they also have a kit bashing section, which I yes. didn't actually notice until I was looking back through it today. <laughs> uh, which is really cool. Uh, I I hope they continue doing these with books because they mm. should. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's one of those situations where they they realise that's what a lot of people do do and want to do because you know we see it on the the Warhammer community YouTube channel where they're starting to show a bit more of well you know paint them how you want like in in the mm, like or mm. hit bash them how you want like i was watching a video and i was going off on a slight tangent here but there was i was watching a <laughs> you know a video where it's like you know you don't have to you don't have to paint them in 50 different colors you know just do a do a yeah. base coat throw on a wash do a few highlights you're done you know and that's sort of like mm. wow that's that doesn't sound like GW because that's something no. they, they want everyone to have <laughs> lots of paints and, and things like that. So, and it, again, I like this because again, it's just encouraging people that, you know what, you can go outside the box. You don't have to stick to what's in there and, you know, mm. uh, but then I suppose it, it sells more kits because obviously you may need to buy another kit to, to do said kit bash really. So I suppose yeah. it's win win yeah. for them <laughs> in that way. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. I, 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 th- I think, you know, going to the, back to this battle time, um, I was actually really impressed with this one. I think mm. it 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 reminded me of in a way of one obviously we covered recently, which was Lumineth Realm Lords. Now, mm. what I mean by that is I felt that it didn't feel phoned in. You know, they you no, know you think right, no. okay, it's you know it's a battle tome about giants, and you're thinking, okay, you know, giants, you know, giants can be just giants, can't they? They just stomp on things, they eat things, they terrorize things, which obviously. The Sons of Bayamat do do. That's obviously a big part of their yeah. law. But saying that, though, there is a lot in here which is actually quite clever, quite amusing, and mm. it feels like they haven't just, like I said, phoned it in, rushed it out, and gone, yeah, there's some giants, whatever. You know, here, here's a battle time <laughs> just to keep you happy. They've thought about them, and it feels like they have their place in the mortal realms. Do you, do you yeah. think that's the case? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like... Every time we talk about Age of Sigma stuff, I go harping on about how well they do, like, getting across different cultural ideas for factions. And I'm gonna go on that, on that, uh, on that spiel again. Sons of Bama have their own big culture, and it's really well mm. dived into. We get their, basically their entire oral history, and, you know, their myths and legends of how the realms were formed, and how the various races were formed and stuff, which, Incidentally, that's my favorite part of this book is like, why, <laughs> why is this species of small folk like this? Well, you see, Bayamat did that. Yeah. And why are the other ones yeah. like this? Well, you see, Bayamat went did this. Uh, <laughs> and so on and so forth until like the rest of the world is explained as 
their ancestor being a cool guy and just fighting everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's really, really good. It's got tons of cool and fun information. It feels relatable. Um, mm, it, it's yeah. got, it almost has a little bit of, you might not know the guy. There's a guy called Matt Colville, uh, who does D and D fifth edition, like advice videos for like DMing and stuff like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. And he wrote a book which is a supplement for 5th edition D&D, which I got, because I really like his stuff, and I want to support him. It's a great book, by the way, very helpful. Um, but it's written in his narrative style, which has all these little, like, not quite humorous, but, like, informational or, like, poking fun at the idea offcuts. And there's a bit in here, like, in the painting, painting guide, painting a drowned body, you know, base code at Wraithbone. Try to forget that you're painting a dead body for fun. <laughs> <laughs> and all that kind of thing. And then, like, in terms of the lore, like, why do all the Gargans have a stomp attack? Well, it's because it's murder on the back to lean down and grab people with your hands all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, it literally uses the line, it's murder on the back. I'm like, yeah, A, that makes sense. B, it feels, mm. like, laid back and relatable, almost. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. it's got um it's got a little gargant flair and I guess. They're not so like stiff and proper as the Lumineth, etc. Of course their battle would be not. a little more loose with its language mm. as it were. Mm. Which is a lot of fun. Um and throughout the book, little tidbits of lore are all excellent and the art is really, really good. It is. Like there's some yeah. fantastic art in here. Um like yeah. God, it's crazy. I love this book. <laughs> it, it's very it's quite inspiring in that sense. I think that mm. it's one of those sort of tomes where i guarantee you know if you read it and you want to start them as an army you will find some inspiration in there on how you Mm. want them to look as well i mean obviously you may just go for the standard how they are in the box and just take them do them that way but i guarantee you will you know see stuff like you know when it references like the armored man crushers that are the, mm. on behalf of the the chaos dwarden. You're like, yes, yeah. I want them, please. Oh, you know, yeah. And like the the um, there's that one bit a bit later, which is to do with you know the aftermath of the Necroquake, where obviously mm. where all the the end of spells <laughs> are loose, and like one of them, yeah. one of the gargants kicks a purple sun, yeah, and it basically turns his <laughs> leg into you know amethyst crystal, crystal. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be a really cool thing to do to your oh, absolutely. you know to, to your mega yeah you know? yeah yeah there are so many good ideas um another another great one is the um the mega gargan that spider fan grots tried to feed to an arachnorok spider but he killed it and you know started wearing its fangs as a crown and everyone just calls him the spider king <laughs> he leads this army of moon clan and spider fan grots down I'm like yeah that's a great idea <laughs> have, an, have a mech gargant allied into a into a gloom spike gets army and have him be the thematic general <laughs> with all his spider bits and everything it's so good it's i mean it's that's fantastic. why i think when because <laughs> obviously we're covering this book a bit later you know obviously it's been around mm. for a few months now and obviously we've you know we well particularly me i've been raving on the show you know previously i'm like i'm loving all these mega gargant and man crusher gargant conversions and kit bashes we're seeing out there and it's no surprise just you know let alone having your own inspiration just reading this book yeah gives you plenty of ideas and it's it's so cool i mean you've even got that that um that <laughs> cannibal corn one that appears i love mm. that story there's oh. this story i think it's called glossheim <laughs> is the is this particular mm. you know sort of town or village where basically they 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 ask this um 
I think it's called, I think it's called E-Log Damp Cloth or something, this particular yeah. Yeah. Mega Gargant to, to help them because basically they're getting attacked by cannibals. And so, mm. you know, the, the, the Mega Gargant agrees to, to help them out. You know, obviously they pay him in, you know, in, in food and, and mead and things like that. And, you know, it's a Christy mm. deal. He, obviously the cannibals attack. He helps defend. He then gets so, into the fight he then chases the cannibals like over the hills you know into the forest mm. or where or wherever they've you know their base of their bases and then obviously the the villagers are like okay cool we've got no more cannibals now we've you know the mega gargant has sort of disappeared as well and then it, the, the mega gargant comes back a week later covered in corn runes and, <laughs> and everything like that he's obviously been converted to corn with the cannibals mm. and then yeah. comes along and helps the cannibals murder the, the, the town and yeah and there's so many good bits like that. Um, now, big thing about Mega Gargants, they're big, they're strong, but they use a ton of energy, so they need to sleep a lot. Mm-hmm. And so this Gargant goes to sleep in Shaiish and wakes up three weeks later, halfway through being eaten alive by flesh mm-hmm. courts who had set him up <laughs> as a banquet table. Like, they put up chairs and plates on him and everything. Yeah, and he just wakes up. He kills half of them, eventually gets brought down because he was, you know, eaten down to the bone already in certain areas. But yeah. the flesh eater calls like, nah, this place is haunted, actually. The banquet <laughs> table got up and killed half the court. We're leaving. <laughs> and then a week later, the bone reapers come by and find this entire gargan scale. And like, yeah, that seems about right. Cool. <laughs> we'll yeah. Fix it. Well, I- I think what was cool, really cool about that story as well regarding the bone reapers is the fact that obviously there's a bit of, it comes full circle because they, he ends up in, that part of of Shaiish because obviously he gets hit by a yes. uh, crawler catapult. You know, he gets hit mm. on the temple and it you know obviously makes him groggy and then he you know he stumbles and sort of goes to sleep and obviously ironically they end up using his bones to make as more catapults. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are so many good bits like that. Like that, the entire like um timeline section is perfect. Mm. It All really is, stuff. and there is a recurring theme of gargants being like turned into mountains or buried underground so people think they are mountains and stuff like that. Yeah. And it really sells the fact that the gargants you can buy are the small fry, like even the mega gargants. You could mm. presumably, Matthew, put your daughter on a table <laughs> and she would be about right for a properly sized mega gargant. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an idea. I'll put it to use. Um, yeah, it's... stand up here, dear. Daddy needs to roll to hit. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, I. I actually talking of the the you know the the difference obviously between like Man Crusher and the the Mega Gargans. I think one thing I liked um, about the Man Crushers particularly, I like how they've evolved them from Ale Guzzlers to Man Crushers. I thought that was mm. quite cool the way they've done that. So so yeah. for context, obviously back in the you know sort of since. Sons of Bayamat, they obviously that kit used to be known as the L Guzzler, and now like I said, it's known as the Man Crusher, but it's the same kit. But from a law perspective, what they've sort of pitched them as is that ale guzzlers were your, you know, your your binge drinking teenage mm, <laughs> gargants, yeah. basically. They, you know, they they they're lounging around, you know, all they really care about is where's their next meal, you know, chasing oxen, they're you know, guzzling loads of ale, obviously, hence the name. They're getting drunk, yeah. basically. You know, not really making much of their life. And obviously, no, no. they, you know, and there's this relationship between the man, the man crushers or ale guzzlers, the smaller 
gargants to obviously the mega gargant so basically what can happen is that they can you know they'll they'll get they'll literally you know hear or see a mega gargant nearby obviously they'll see the destruction it's left they'll literally be following it in its footsteps because they're so large and you'll have the you know this this smaller gargant chasing or you know following um after the the mega gargant who obviously is making you know more you know longer strides therefore is you know a bit further ahead you know and you can have this re- sort of really cool you know scenario where for, you know this this smaller gargant is tracking the the bigger one for days um literally trying to wait for it to fall asleep somewhere like cameron said you know they have to fall asleep um for a while to recoup their energy and they can sleep for days the mega gargants mm. to recoup their energy um and then the you know the the the, the smaller gargant will like will eventually find them the the mega gargant and who's you know could be sleeping in a cave somewhere it, then the, the smaller one starts making like breakfast, like almost getting things ready mm. to sort of, uh, you know, not to wake the bigger one. Cause obviously that can, you know, uh, go wrong <laughs> if that happens. <laughs> uh, and then obviously they have, and then hopefully when the, the, the mega one wakes up in the morning, they'll have a chat and basically, you know, the, the, the smaller one will, will, you know, join forces with the, the bigger one. Cause obviously they, they yeah. revere them so highly. Cause obviously it's that, you know, uh, might makes right, you know, mightier makes rightier you know, bigger Gargan. <laughs> and the, it's great that they, they, they basically sober up <laughs> and mm, become yeah. man crushers. And actually, ironically, they become a more dangerous type of Gargan because of that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I think that's a yeah. really cool way of doing it. Mm, it's, it's almost like enforced Alcoholics Anonymous because they don't yeah. sober up <laughs> of their own free will. It's just that when the Mega Gargan is around, it gets to eat and drink as much as it wants first, which means there's never any alcohol left for the man crushers. Yeah. So yeah. it's in, this enforced sobriety because they've decided to be part of something greater. It's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> get, get your role model, get you off drugs, and he just takes all the drugs for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why I that's why I like everything in this book. I think it's clever. It's not, you know, it's mm. not it's not stupidly clever. It's not like they're trying to, you know, t- trying to change them to not be basically big giants because that's what they are at their heart ultimately at their feet. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, but I like the way they've integrated them things. I like the way that well talking of feet you know then obviously this obsession with feet is that's how they're you know they're formed as in how their mm. sort of their tribes and their their battle groups are, are, are done is i love that i love it. it's known as a big stomp you know i think that's yeah. In, yeah. The, in the way it's done i think that's so cool i think that's such a you know thematic I, thematic is a word that we could use a lot throughout oh, this, yeah. you know, yeah. to, to a degree. And it, I love the fact, like I said, it's, it's, they're called a stomp. Um, they're called catastrophes to everyone else. <laughs> yeah. But they can't say that. So no, we're a stomp. Clearly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Less, less syllables for them to use. And, and it's great. You've got the big heel. That's the leader, which is basically a mega gargan <laughs> that is, you know, top, top gargant, the one that's yeah, beaten yeah. the other ones, literally put the other ones under his heel. Um, mm. and then take, mm. you know, and, and, you know, it's a bit like the, in, you know, in the, uh, Ogre Moor tribes where the, like, if you know the, the, the relationship between tyrants and iron guts, mm. iron guts are the, basically the bodyguards for the tyrant in a, in a law perspective, but 
basically the iron guts are uh, you know a step awaiting to you know become a tyrant at some point and obviously yeah. the tyrant they're looking after you know starts uh, not pulling their weight you know pun intended then mm. you you know they'll take over and it's sort of that same sort of you know relationship here really with the big heel and then yeah you know, and then you've got like the foot slot the foot sloggers which is basically the man crushes <laughs> which is the toes of the foot which yeah. is really yeah as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's very thematic they even had their very own special set of wars during the age of chaos called the soul wars with the s-o-l-e <laughs> Uh, which is where they learned that they hate fighting chaos because they keep wearing spiky armor, which makes it a real pain to stamp on them. <laughs> and so the Soul Wars was sort of a technological evolution for Mega Gargans, where they learned to make sandals uh, <laughs> to protect their feet. Those spikes <laughs> and sh- yeah. spears and things like that. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Again, super humorous, but it, it's all stuff that makes sense and fits thematically. Yeah. And, um,. All kinds of interesting, like, world-building things about, like, in the novels, when we come to, like, Nighthaunt and the actual Soul Wars with Nagash and all that, mm-hmm. there's, like, at, there's like allusions to Nighthaunt being hard to fight because you have to be, like, sure of yourself and confident mm-hmm. to actually hit them. Yeah. And so when the Necroquake first happens, it's not regarded as a big thing by Gargans because all these ghosts appear and they go, ah, we can beat any ghosts. They're just yeah. little puny things and they stamp on them and beat them no problem. But Lady Ollander... Mm. comes along and literally puts the fear of death into all of Gargan kind when she just cuts down this one mega Gargan and drives the others off to spread the tale. And this rumor that ghosts are really scary to fight made Gargans more nervous about fighting them, which meant they could not stomp the ghosts as effectively, which made yeah. them more frightened, which made them less effective until one day they fought alongside the Drakfoot, uh, Oh god, what are they called? Drakfoot tribe of the bone the, the orcs. splitters. Both bone splitter yeah. orcs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, who believe in themselves so hard they can kill any ghosts. We should be able <laughs> to do it too, right? And there's this, it's this spiral of Nighthaunt trying to cause fear in Gargan society and Gargan's getting reinvigorated by bone splitters and becoming better and worse in a cycle of killing ghosts it's really funny <laughs> yeah it really is and it, and it actually it, it shows their you know their weakness at some point because obviously they you know mm. they most of their their history is very confident you know they're like i said they're they're mm. top of the food chain they've got no you know apex they're the apex predator they've got no one above them in you know apart from gods but that's obviously a totally different thing well, but yeah. it, you know but <laughs> it it just shows that there is moments throughout their history, um, particularly with chaos. Chaos is one of the the interesting relationships, which we'll talk about in a second. And obviously, like you said, with with death, which obviously wasn't really a big deal until the Necroquake, and then yeah, it, obviously they lost their confidence in, in effect for you know for a while. You know, like like you said, Lady Alinda's like she, didn't she turn like a mega gargan into black, like a, literally a pile of black roses, just like with the yeah. touch or something. You know, yeah. something quite poetic. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, let's let's talk about chaos because it, it's mm. interesting how they work with them at times. Um, I mean, and I mean that literally in some cases, I'm just, but I'm, mm. uh, the overall picture. So, you know, in the, you know, going back to the age of myth, they were, you know, as in the Gargants, they were, you know, they were again, top dogs at that point. Yeah. They were, yeah. they were really sure of themselves. You know, they were literally help shaping the land. You know, mm. they had no real issues as such. They were a very dominant force. And then obviously in swings, the age of chaos and, they, you know, again, they start in a way, start losing their 
their confidence to a degree. They're having to deal with, you know, the rising chaos warlords, um, you know, mm. they have to deal with literally them being all spiky and everything. Um, <laughs> they, you know, and, and to the point where some start actually, you know, converting to chaos, uh, mm. as well, which is something we see predominantly later with the, the war stomper mega guard. Yeah. Um, yeah. because obviously they, they have this, you know, I suppose this, uh, connection with chaos because chaos like to basically cause trouble and fight everyone and <laughs> war stompers love to fight. So it's a, yeah, again, a win-win yeah. situation for them. Um, mm. but like I said, how did you feel about how they, how they are with chaos? Did you, you know, cause obviously it's something that keeps cropping up multiple times through the, out this book, I feel. Yeah. No, I think it makes sense in that, you know, they, they are a destruction faction. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of that, they want to fight everyone and everything that isn't them, which, hey, fair. Uh, but the idea, again, it's certainly the idea that the Age of Chaos was a world shattering event. Like even mm. the, even the Gargans could not ignore the fact that the entire, every, every realm in its entirety was flooded with armies of Chaos Worshippers. And like, even for a Mega Gargan, you can't fight a whole army just by yourself, generally speaking. No. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, especially with the way Chaos is, like, Chaos Warlords are really aspirational people. They set goals, they aim high, and one of the best ways to prove your worth is kill big monsters. Mm. And so, you know, there's, there's this underlying current of, like, at times, Gargans were, like, on the verge of becoming an endangered species because so many Chaos Lords were hunting them on the path to glory. And, you know, like, even afterwards in the Age of Sigma, now there was civilization about, and you couldn't just knock over a town and go on your way. Stormcast would come after you and hunt you down, <laughs> all this kind of thing. Like, they had it really good in the Age of Myth, and they've just, not necessarily on a decline, but they've been significantly at a lower point than they have mm. previously throughout the Age of Chaos and Age of Sigma uh, than any point before. Um, but, like, it is interesting how it's portrayed, because they, they are portrayed consistently as, like, resistant to corruption i guess is the best way to put it like not just yeah. chaos corruption but like the gargans that work for death armies they get a little weird but usually that's it unless they <laughs> live for a really long time in which case they start getting really weird um because yep. because you know it's great working with the death army because they kill all the people in a town they don't touch any of the animals they don't touch any of the goods so you get as much as you want but then over the years, you get a little paler, you start eating less, you start sleeping less, and eventually you just stop caring about treasure. And that's what the oldest Gargans that side with the forces of death are like. But it takes, you know, centuries potentially to reach that point. It's the same with Chaos. Yeah. Like, they'll run alongside a corn army and, you know, they'll get the trophies all over them. They'll have the runes painted on them, but it takes years and years and years for even the slightest mutations to start affecting mega gargans because i think partly because of that sort of massive overconfidence and sense of self like they're really difficult to shake them into thinking they're different to how they are yeah because i because I, 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 I think because they're so driven by quite simplistic things at the end of the day you know they have got their variations but at the end of the day gargants are fueled by you know food war and loot they seem to be the three main things that crop up mm. obviously there's a few deviations depending on obviously if you know what type of gargant you are potentially as well but ultimately that's what it comes down to and i suppose yeah. in a way they it, it's sort of 
I don't say blissful ignorance, but it's just not, it's great that these gargants, because they can focus on that and that's all that they really care about it. You know, mm. the, 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 the warring of men and chaos and Dwarden and elves and all the other races out there is just a byproduct of what's happening. It's ultimately, it's like, yeah, okay, I will go to war because at the end of the day, I'm going to get a load of food at the end of it, uh, take some loot back to my cave. I've had a good scrap and you know i can do it again tomorrow please you know and it, and that yeah, they're not caring yeah. about the politics they're not caring mm. about mm. this this faction and this warlord taking over this particular part of the <laughs> realm it doesn't really make any difference to them it's like yeah, it, you yeah. know they're quite and in a way even though they are quite a you know a tribal uh race as well they you know they are quite isolated like we see it particularly with the the kraken eaters where they they mm. you know they they almost self-isolate <laughs> which is quite an interesting <laughs> word at, the, at this time at these times mm. at the moment but it you know they they isolate themselves away in like a you know in a cave underwater or by the coast somewhere you know because they can they can create a you know, a display of all their different trophies that they've collected. You know, they go out when they need to, to get, you know, obviously get some food or, or whatever, obviously, or vice versa. If something, if something comes along to their cave that, you know, didn't, didn't realize it by accident and, you know, then it will defend itself. And I, I like that because there's so much, you know, like any universe, whether it's, you know, age, age of Sigma 40 K or whatever, there's so much, you know, all these politics, like what Archeon's doing, what Catacross is doing, what Nagash is up mm. to, and they don't care really. No. And, and actually talking of Nagash, I quite, I think it's quite funny that there's that, um, the, I think it's the, it's the gatebreaker, uh, mercenary, you know, the named oh, one, yes. um, yeah. who's a big drug fort kicker. That's it. I love the fact that, <laughs> you know, he, he's one of the things he's doing, he, you know, he, he fights in mainly in Shaish or for Shaishan army. So he fights for death armies most of the time. And, yeah. you know, to the point where he's even been hired by Manfred and things like that. But I, and so obviously he gets looked at as a bit of a traitor by other Gargans. But I like mm. the fact that his main goal is trying to gain favor of Nagash. We're like, oh, okay. Just so he can hit him in, in the back, basically. <laughs> it's yeah, not like he wants yeah. power or, you know, to be a, some sort of death warlord or, you know, for, you know, have some sort of power mm. given to him to Gash. He just wants to smack him in the back of the head, yeah. basically. Uh, hey, <laughs> so it makes good. perfect sense. Like, Gatebreakers hate civilization and Nagash yeah. makes the biggest gates around. Yeah. Like, some of the, some of that death architecture is way too much. Mm. Terrible. Can't, can't be having that. But, like, yeah, they, they have this, they have this overall simplicity and this, this self-confidence and this strength that makes them super adaptable as well. So while like some of them, like the Kraken eaters are super self-isolating, you get this description of like Gargans are everywhere. They're definitely yeah. not like on a dwindling path to extinction or anything. Anymore. No, not at all. They're adapting. There are, there are Gargans who work for Sigma as forge smiths because mm. they're the ones big enough to hammer some of the stuff he needs, like, forge and stuff like that there's you know they work for chaos warlords some work alongside fire slayers others you know work for the ossiarch bone reapers and help carry the tithe around and stuff it's they're they're everywhere they're fitting yeah. in just fine no matter what they end up doing <laughs> yeah which which sort which sort of makes sense in a way because obviously we've seen it with some of the other races where 
you know, and that, I think that's something that they try to get across in, in the battle tones of some of the novels, especially when it comes to the order factions, is you do have, like, you know, a a city will, like, have obviously loads of humans in it. It'll have elves, it'll have Dwarden, but don't forget the Seraphon. They're around. Oh, mm. they're the Deepkin. You know, okay, they're underwater most of the time, but they'll pop up and, and be part of things as well. It's that, you know, it's a very, dive, you know, the, the, the realms are extremely diverse, uh, you know, even though there will be areas where they are cut off and a particular faction will just be, you know, dominant in a particular area. But in in some places, they are all over the place. And like I said, mm. I think that that sort of works well, especially for Gargants, um, especially the fact I like how they've integrated them into, you know, in quote marks, the Grand Alliances. I like the mm. fact that that the you know the particularly the the three main types of mega gargan are generally aligned to a grand alliance even though they're not they're all destruction at the end of the day reality but obviously when it comes to them being mercenaries and things like that i like the fact that like you know the war stomper obviously as the name suggests the war stomper loves to fight that is it's you know its favorite thing to do it'll actively look out for fights it will even fight for the losing side so the fight goes on longer <laughs> you know things like yeah, that um, yeah. and so therefore by by that very nature they're nomadic they you know and because they like war they generally will you know will fight alongside chaos not all the time but generally they will because mm. obviously that's what chaos do that it's almost like that's their their you know their the faction that that suits them the best in a way um and mm. then you know you see like you said you see the same with the the uh the the gate breakers they they tend to you know fight with with death more you know than than anything you know they're again they hate sort of civilized you know civilized uh, races they obviously they they want to literally smash down their forts um <laughs> yeah they've got this real cool uh motives for doing so that basically they 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 particularly don't like the you know the settlements of sigmar and things like that but, um and the fact that the, 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 their motives are with you know they've got a load of food and loot with them so what we'll do is i'll just raid one and you know wait for it to get resupplied it obviously shows supremacy and obviously again it's that grudge against uh you know civilized races and then obviously you've got the the, the kraken eater which is obviously a more order sort of uh, uh aligned one as well and I, yeah i just i think it's quite you know obviously they've done it to align the named mercenary uh mega gargants towards those grand alliances but i think it's clever the way they've done it it feels natural yeah yeah in a way yeah yeah they, they fit into the world like it makes sense that gargants are everywhere and these exceptional ones have goals that they work towards with particular factions. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, you know, there's one in 10,000 of giants who actually have ambition in the case of, um, <laughs> Mr. Fort Kicker, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And, think, and, think it ahead. And, <laughs> and, and actually talking of ambition, I, I like the fact that there's this sort of underlying, aspect about the world titan the fact that there's mm. the possibility and i like the fact they've done this because it's now left a you know just like a just a, a crumb you know a carrot on a stick you know the fact that they that you know after now Bayamat is no more that there could be another mm. gargant that becomes the world titan again i like the fact narratively it's left that door open that you know in yeah. a few years time or whenever you know gw could introduce that into the mortal realms yeah something big mm. happens and we get another <laughs> world titan i think that's cool. very exciting <laughs> yeah yeah ah oh, there, there's so much absolutely awesome stuff in here um there's it really uh, is. 
it's, it's so much. It's it's hard to like pick any particular things, but like you know, there, there's things like a group of kraken eaters getting together to swim to the bottom of the ocean to kick the crap out of some Ideneth who have been raging <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> like yeah. you know, one by one they lose their breath and swim to the surface, but these last two are really angry about it, so make it all the way down and just squeeze some sharks to death and kick the crap out of the Karelians. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, and again, it, it works nicely with the, their lore as well because Kraken Eaters, again, I mean, they, all the, the Gargants are, you know, most of the Gargants are, you know, into treasure and, and trophies. And obviously that's why they've got a lot of stuff on their bodies. That's what they like to wear it to mm. war. But obviously, particularly the, um, the, the Kraken Eaters are quite into hoarding things. And I like the fact in that particular story, like I said, where they've gone obviously to, to go to the bottom of the ocean. Obviously they're running out of breath. So they have to sort of, you know, give up and like I said, head back to the surface. I like the fact that they, these two particular gargants will go back to their, you know, go back to where their loot and trophies are. They find a, like a, a on like sky vessel. And then they use that to create like a, a, um, an oxygen bubble underwater mm. basically so they yeah. can get down they do, uh, and then do pirates of the caribbean yeah that's it where they do the yeah. boat the boat thing underwater yeah exactly <laughs> it's the it's the the aos version of that basically and i love that and, it, it, and I, I would love to have seen the faces on those deep kin when that happened oh, that would have been absolutely hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> yeah yeah and there's, there's like also the more serious stuff as well like um mm-hmm. A Shaishan town that prays to these nine humanoid mountains that are rumored yeah. to be like, you know, long dead ancestors of the area or whatever. And when chaos overcomes it, all the elders go up to the mountains and literally walk into the deepest caves at the peak that are like these big mouths, uh, in an attempt to awaken these long dead mountains to like fight back against chaos. And they do it because they were actually nine gargans Nagash had frozen. for like the insolence of attacking Shaiish and you know the town elders go into the depths and are literally eaten except for one of them who was too old to actually make it down there and so there are these nine enormous mega gargants crush this chaos army then walk off towards Nagashazar with one old human on their shoulder (laughs) sort of guiding the way for them (laughs) yeah it's yeah yeah like you're, you're right it's actually not all you know, it's not all jokey law, you know, a lot, a lot mm. of it is, but a lot of it is, is quite serious and quite, <laughs> quite grim uh, at times as yeah. well. And again, you know, I, I think that's very much in keeping with AOS at the moment. It feels like that. We saw it again with the, with going back to the realm Lords, you know, we, it was very mm. serious, a lot of it, what happened to it, but then we got the whole, you know, that, uh, that teenager and nicking that Lance that, you know, that, uh, <laughs> did a laser beam through about 50 different things, you know, it's yeah. <laughs> things like that. It yeah. does happen, which again, is very in keeping with the the mortal realms as well. Um, I I think also on a different subject, I like the fact it it multiple you know multiple times throughout the book it touches upon the the their you know from their history from a from a god perspective as well. How mm. how all the gods you know Sigmar, Gorkamorka, you know Drakthian, they how they they sort of you know integrate and how it works. I like mm. the I do like like for example the 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 Gorkamorka Bayamat rivalry I think yeah. is really cool where you know yeah. basically this is sort of after, so so you know the context uh it's, you know obviously we know in the past that Gorkamorka was freed by Sigma back in the the age of myth uh he was basically mm-hmm. stuck in this living avalanche called uh Dracotoya which is like full of mm-hmm. this big like 
yeah, basically a living mountain avalanche with avalanche with like am, amber and it, you know, basically glues Gorkamorka <laughs> <the> <laughs> in place. Uh, Sigmar, you know, frees him uh, along with uh, Drakthian and uh, he, <laughs> you know, obviously Gorkamorka uh, then, you know, starts fighting them. You know, he knocks out Drakthian and and basically has a you know a big fight with Sigmar because he's so enraged by you know being stuck for so long. They have a they come to a stalemate fight and then that leads to you know, them have an agreement where, you know, Gorka Morka becomes the hunter of beasts, as we know, you know, particularly in Gur, you know, to sort of keep them under under wraps for, for Sigma. And obviously then the Age of Chaos comes along, the Chaos Gods and you know start whispering into Gorka Morka's ears. Uh or both of them. Or would they have, <laughs> they have two pairs of ears, or, I suppose, at some yeah, point when they split. Ears, right? yeah, yeah, one for Gork and one for Mork. And uh so, you know, start saying, you know, you're basically a puppet for Sigma. And then, you know, you've got Bayamat, who is, like I said, the world titan, you know, the, 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 the effectively the god of of the uh, of what's going to be the Gargants eventually. Um, and obviously, Gorkamorka looks at him in a bit of jealousy, really, because Bayamat's basically free to do what he wants. You know, he's fighting, mm. whereas Gorkamorka's fighting, but he's, you know, he's under on a bit of a leash in a in a manner of speaking. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they have, you know, Gorkamorka starts challenging, you know, Bayamat to to you know, to perform these challenges uh, and challenges that Gorkamorka had done at uh, at some point. So you got like this, like the first challenge, I think it was like to flood a city where, yes. you know, where basically Gorkamorka had made the sea level drop at one point from drinking it. And then the ocean, you know, again, this is what, what I like about these stories. It talks, it's very like talking from legend. It's very like, and then mm. the ocean came back, you know, like when you're reading kids stories and they talk about, yeah. about yeah. things like the ocean, like it's, like it's a thing, like it's a yeah. a person, you know, it's got a personality. It's <laughs> like, then the ocean came back and then it flooded, you know, the city. And then, so, you know, in context, Bearmat did the same, but he did it by an accidental belly flop and flooded an elf yes. city and made them go underwater. Um, yes. which feels oh, like a reference so to the Deepkin. Yeah, no, because these are like the the creation myths of the sons of Bearmat. It's like yeah. why is yeah, the world that's a good like point, this? Yeah. yeah, and you know, like um, Gork and Mork is like, you've got to stop this volcano from exploding. Bearmat's like, cool, picks up another mountain, shoves it in the in the hole at the top of the volcano, and kind of tamps it down. <laughs> And then all the Dwarden get really mad that he essentially destroyed their home inside the volcano. So Bayamat stomps on all of them, and that's why Dwarden are short and squat. Yeah. They got squashed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so And then the next one is um sort of how the basically the Seraphon come into existence where mm. he you know, at one point Gork uh Gork took, you know, uh missiles from uh Drakthian after you know knocking him unconscious you know uh from i think from hurling insults and things like that um mm. so you know so he obviously challenges bear to do the same so you know bear hurls insults at him and up in the sky up in his ear um so then you know he starts get having to take these missiles and so he he ends up sort of smacking one back like baseball style with his uh with his club and then obviously that hits uh Drakthian and uh the scales fall, you know, fall down off him, and that's where we get the Seraphon from. You know, it's it's. Yeah, I, I yeah. like it. I love that because <laughs> it's again very in keeping with this sort of. When I say rumors, is obviously a lot mm. of thing we see with with Gargant culture is you know telling stories. You know, as in passing. You know, even though they're quite again, like I said earlier, they can be quite isolated. They are quite tribal. So they'll be like we saw with you know, with Lady Alinda where it's like, oh, you know, 
you got to be careful about these ghosts. You know, you can't stomp on them as much as they do. <laughs> they do really, really freaky stuff to us. You know, it, again, mm-hmm. it's that sort of thing. And that's where obviously creation stories, you know, feel like that, where it's people, you know, in this case, giants passing the stories down generation by generation or tribe to yeah. tribe. And obviously it gets twisted and, and, you know, and, you know, it's almost like, you know, the, you know, things like that. So it, I, I think it's great. Mm. And then you've got like, yeah, the eating competition so as well. Where mm, mm. Uh, I like this one particularly as well, where you know Gorka Morka as you know eat, uh, eats all the 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 monsters that you know that were slain in in Gur, so of you know various levels, and then and then to sort of go one better, Bearmat sort of eats their geists over in Shaiish, so yeah, sort of, yeah. the spirits that have gone to Shaiish, and then obviously you know that's why you know men folk you know. Are uh, mm. yeah, the men folk as well, and obviously that's why they're they they got no meat on their bones, basically, and things yeah. like that. It's yeah, and they made get... the meat off the skeleton. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's it's cool, oh. really it's cool, very cool. Yeah, and um, it goes back even further because Bayamat had to come from somewhere, right? Yeah, this is this is uh this is very Nordic sort of creation myth. So not only is there Bayamat, there's Bayamat's father Imnok, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. original, the Urgargant, if you would. Yes. Um, and he was one of the very first god beasts, and he had a temper so foul that one day he got, went into a tantrum and broke reality into three pieces with his club <laughs> to create the land, sea, and sky. <laughs> sort of like, stop being all one big conglomerate thing, bash, 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 and then separates, you know, the world into the way it's meant to be. Um, and, you know, swallows comets from the heaven, drinks, drinks half the oceans, and then just lies down and breaks open the ground and falls into this big chasm. <laughs> and in his gut, all these rocks he's eaten slowly sort of begin to grow and birth themselves into the first gargants, including Bayamat. And they're all trapped inside him. And so Bayamat, down in Imnok's intestines, brews a batch of moonshine so awful that it makes him spit them up. Um, but just as they're about to get out, Imnog wakes up and chomps down, and the only one who gets out is Bayamat, who beats Imnog's teeth to dust, basically, to get out of his mouth, and, you know, the shards of broken tooth become the first mountains of the world, mm-hmm. and then, you know, Imnog goes back to sleep, and Bayamat is released as, you know, a more active, I suppose, Gargan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's super interesting, and it, it's like... Again, like very sort of Nordic, very Greek, also with like Kronos mm. style stuff. It's super cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because again, I again, I just I'm not repeating myself, but I do like it where it's not just this is what happened. It's like a mm. an interpretation, you know. It, it, whereas obviously yeah. a lot of the lore we see from the other books is like that. This definitely happened. Whereas this obviously is a again. I know obviously to the Gargants it definitely happened, but you can it definitely feels like that you know creation story that sort of is an interpretation and is quite poetic and and things like mm. that. I yeah I I really like that. I think it's really really cool. Um, yeah. I think anything anything else that you you feel that you know is there any other little stories you remember reading this book that were of a <laughs> particular interest? Um, I mean, first off, we get we get a lot more about Gur and like the specifics mm. of Gur, which is always fun. You know. It, the world itself is always at war with itself. Like the tectonic plates try and eat each other for yeah, God's sake, <laughs> uh, which is always funny. Um, ah, it was just in here somewhere. Ah, here he is. It's old Ropey. Um, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. 
On the Isle of Decrepita, there are rumours of old Ropey, a surpassingly hideous mega-gargan, who's so named because he has these long ropes of rotted skin hanging off of him, and it's fate worse than death if he catches you, because if he doesn't eat you, he ties you to his to his hide with this rotted skin and absorbs you like a fungus eating a corpse. And, uh... Basically, the Sylvaneth find out about these rumours, and Ilariel goes, yeah, that sounds mega gross, go kill that. And, uh, <laughs> they, they go to this cursed island, and they don't find anyone alive there, just this trail of rotting blood leading off into the sea. <laughs> there's, there's a really gross giant out there somewhere, guys. Yeah. <laughs> there's some, there's some crazy stuff out there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and of course there's uh scaling the flame spires, which you mentioned uh before mm. the show started. Um mm. Gargants using Caradron airships as like grabbing points to jump across an enormous canyon. <laughs> uh, literally <laughs> leaping that. and swinging off the uh balloons from iron iron what are they called? Good. Uh, it's like ironclads. Iron, ironclads and stuff like that, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Just using them as these essentially massive air hot air balloons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, all yeah. Kinds of, all kinds of crazy fun stuff. Oh, it's so... And again, it just shows you the how clever the Gargants are, and I think that's something they try to get across at some point, that, you know, in some ways they are quite simplistic, but Gargants aren't as well. You know, they, they, mm. they can be quite intelligent, and they've sort of had to be. They've had to evolve, yeah. and it's sort of what you were saying, you know, sort of something we were talking about earlier, where they, you know, obviously when the Age of Chaos especially came along and it, it, you know, it really mixed things up after their dominance in the Age of Myth and and the fact that they're not as dominant as they used to be. It's sort of, you know, it's again, it's evolution. They've had to, you know, it's the the old adapt or die mentality, really. That's Mm. why a lot of them become mercenaries. And, you know, and, and I like that story, actually, when it comes to, you know, being mercenaries as well. They, the fact that, it was because a, I think it was the, the brothers Grog or or something like that. I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> but basically, they they you know were obviously working with the I think it's with one of the Ogamore tribes, and you know mm. obviously the Ogamore tribes had been you know had been been mercenaries in a way for some of the other the factions as well. And I love the fact, yeah, I think it's the um, yeah it's the Meat Fist Meat Fist more tribe that were doing it. It's the, oh, sorry, it's the brothers Grog. That's the name, um, and. Mm the fact that they sort of, you know, they sort of observed and thought, oh, actually, if you guys can be mercenaries, then so can we. And and then obviously yeah. then that's where it gets passed around the tribes. It becomes known as the great secret. And the yeah. fact that, you know, they realize, <laughs> well, you know, if we do this, then it's almost like we it guarantees the stuff that we need rather than sort of having to go to various pains to get food, to get loot and fighting, which again is the, the holy trinity of, of mm. mega of gargants in general, is the fact that like, well, if we're mercenaries, then that yeah. we get all three. And also yeah. it's, you know, going back to what we were saying earlier, it's perfect for them because they're not really interested in the politics of the mortal realms at heart, mm. really. So being mercenaries is the, is actually the best thing they can be. <laughs> Ultimately, yeah. it's the, the most yeah. suitable role for them at the end of the day, mm. I think. Yeah. Um, there's also Gargant pastimes, which is really fun. Yeah. Uh, essentially, <laughs> yeah. when the elders of a elders of a Gargant tribe are away, the younger ones have no one to rein in their youthful sense of invulnerability. Uh, so they get they get into lots of things: They're climbing contests, eating contests, knocking things down, and drinking heavily contests. Uh, but 
essentially, as, as Gargant society has evolved, so have their games. Uh, horse punting has become very popular, whether, you know, <laughs> it's kick a horse as far as you can, bonus points if you hit someone with it. Um, wake belching is a very civilized practice because in the middle of the night you walk up to a, to a free guild town and you belch really loudly and you get a point for everyone who wakes up and yells at you to shut the hell up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, if anyone yells really loudly, you eat them to teach them a lesson. Um, of course you do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and in battle, there's different games. Like, the game of Man Skittles has recently mm-hmm. become popular. In a fight, Classic. you literally grab a boulder and knock over as many humans as you can with it. Yep. <laughs> and Tank Tipping came to prominence yep. when the Greywater Fastness fought a clan of Mega Gargants, and they just started tipping the tanks over, and one of them even picked it up and threw it, resulting in the rumor amongst Free Guild armies that there is a flying steam tank variant <laughs> out there somewhere. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. All hearsay, but uh, mm-hmm. it just makes uh, <laughs> so much sense as well. It's yeah. so good. Uh, yeah, I, again, wonderful. I think like every bit you read in this book, there's always little little nuggets that are just amusing or it's so fitting. You know, it, even if it's like like going back to um, the, uh, the, uh, the, I've forgotten the name of them now, the Gatebreakers, um, where they 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 wear like a portcullis around their groin because it, it, that's that's what protects like the you know the the important bit of the uh, of the city so therefore it, it you know it, it protects them, the important yeah. part of them as well you know it's, <laughs> it's so yeah good. so good so thematic um oh yeah yeah love it all kinds Absolutely of love fun it. stuff like that um oh and like the uh the Mortal Realms version of giant squids t- sh- turning up covered in bite marks is krakens occasionally wash up covered in in gargant bite marks and with their tentacles tied in knots mm-hmm. because down in the depths, just like sperm whales hunt giant squid, there are kraken eaters hunting krakens, and just just the image of a giant down at the bottom of the ocean tying a kraken's legs together and then just eating it <laughs> and letting it yeah. float off to the surface when he's done is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and and then they often use the kraken sort of skin to uh to make shoes from as well don't they mm. it's particularly good mm. against as i said dealing with like uh you know uh, spearmen and things like that and and actually one thing i because I, I i feel with going back to the mega gargants i feel it's it's so easy for the gatebreaker and the kraken eater to get a lot of the headlines in a way because they mm. feel like they're more interesting than the war stomper and i feel that in a way it's a bit unfair on the war stomper. I'm not saying everyone feels that, but yeah. I feel like a lot of people could forget about the war stomper because it feels like the most generic sort of themes, mm. you know, of the mm. mega gargants because it's the, the fighty one that, you know, just gets stuck in, but it's yeah. also quite clever as well. I like, oh, again, yeah. I mentioned it earlier. They fact they fight for the losing side at times to keep the fight going. Um, but they've mm. also talking of fighting. They've learned how to fight as well. Like they mm. use a, as a, you know, a club as a shield for arrows. They will literally pick up soldiers to fire at artillery. That's about to fire on them. They'll, you know, literally yeah. try to take it out. They'll kick down shield walls. They'll, you know, jump up and down and shout to frighten the horses for, you know, they're about to charge, you know, as part of a cavalry mm. um, attack. Yeah. And and they'll even play dead or wounded. Yes, as well. Yeah. <laughs> they'll play possum. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair, they're also the only type of mega gargan that has any knowledge of what politics even is. 
True. Because if they see a diplomatic party traveling nearby when they know there are some armies around, they will ambush and kill that party to ensure a breakdown of diplomacy between yeah. the two armies. They're like, if these guys get where they're going, there might be a treaty and we can't have that. There needs to be a fight. <laughs> so I'll just kill the messenger really quickly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's sort of where the, yeah, I think the, the named one is it one eyed Grunok is sort of, mm. you know, that's one of the, that's his famous tale where he interrupted a, a Bone Reapers and Caradron treaty at, um, at Gurish and Crozier, you know, where basically they, they'd been, you know, the two armies have been fighting for, you know, for ages or uh, a certain mm. amount of time. And obviously they decided to come to a treaty where, okay, Bone Reapers will say, right, well, we've got dibs on the bones. You've got dibs on the, 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 the gold. Cool. Fine. You know, obviously they're about to literally sign that treaty. And then in jumps <laughs> one eyed Gronach kills the leaders. Uh, and then effectively mm. it causes the war to, hack, to, to continue to this day. <laughs> mm. <laughs> like he literally <laughs> carried on a war uh, that hasn't seemed to stop, you know, because yeah. of, uh, literally just interrupting the treaty i think that's again very cool very f- amusing and you know mm. feels very again very thematic with it all oh yeah um, yeah so uh yeah i think i think that's you know that wraps us up nicely to be honest unless unless there was anything else you wanted to add uh last minute to, I, to I it. Or, do you wanna, or do you want to summarize it anyway how you feel yeah about yeah it? um hey sons of Ayamet are super freaking cool um mm-hmm. their lore it's great because it's, it's again, sort of very cultural perspective, like we discussed. Like, a lot of it is the oral history and myths of the Mega Gargants. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of the rest of it is, and here's the, how they interact with the rest of the mortal realms, which is good. We get, like, their personal perspective on it, and then this sort of more neutral historical telling of, hey, so this happened, and then the Mega Gargants reacted this way, etc., etc. Um... Also, just like as an aside from the law stuff, kit bashing section, awesome. It has like the most extensive painting section as well, I think, out of the mm. recent battle tomes, which is super nice. Um, and I feel I've mentioned this before on the show, but I really hope uh, Imperial and Chaos Knights in 40k get a rule set similar to these because they made large, low model count armies work really well, actually. Like, we, we got a faction that hits all the high notes, they've got cool models. They've got awesome law and they've got actually pretty good rules. So this yeah. is really nice. They're a great faction. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, I agree with absolutely all of that. And I think just to add, it's one, you know, I would say don't skip them in a way, mm. uh, whether it's law or potentially, you know, from a model and army perspective. Cause I, like, like you said, I think that as a, as you know, uh, all of it is, solid you know their lore is really good um it's it's i know we've covered a lot of it in this in this hour but obviously there's plenty more in there that we haven't um that you're free to read obviously if you get around to getting hold of the book and it's again it's 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 just worth reading anyway even if you're not if you have no intention of ever sort of collecting them but i sort of feel if you start reading it it's definitely one of those books that can easily turn you I feel yeah, like it, you could yeah. easily go, mm, I wasn't going to collect them, but I feel I'm going oh, to now. <laughs> yeah. I had a, had a big dose of that rereading it today. It's like, I said I wouldn't, but I would only need one mega gargan and one <laughs> man crusher kit to get myself up to a thousand point army. And that would be fun. Just have that one little army. Exactly. But then my brain's like, you could do so many other things. They, they give you so many good ideas is the problem. They've got all these little hooks built into yeah. the book. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I, that's it. I think that, and that's what I, I've seen a lot of people do uh, recently is, you know, it, it's a nice, well, I say easy. And again, it's not, it depends what you mean, but it's generally a quite a straightforward 1000 point army. If you want to get one up and running, you just need a mega gargan and three man crushers. Um, getting a third is a, is a bit problematic. I'm trying to get a third at the moment mm. because obviously they come in packs of two. So you're trying to find a third at a reasonable price where someone split the box basically, but putting yeah. that aside, uh, it, is it's you know it, again it's 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 four models and you can you know put a lot of love and care into them and you can theme them in so many different ways and again that applies to obviously a lot of armies but particularly these because they're bigger models uh with a lot of a lot of skin on show you know you've yeah. got plenty of space <laughs> to, to <laughs> add lots of you know converted and kit bash gubbins to uh to make them look exactly how you you feel they should look as well and obviously give them a yeah. cool backstory as well so i'm hoping you know even though they've been out obviously a few months now that you know as the as the year goes on we'll see still we'll still see i should say more and more of you know mm. some really cool kit bash and converted oh, yes yeah. i i don't get bored of them i for, I, I totally forgot um, in the Mega Gargan kit, there are arrows that you can stick into the giant, which is super cool. Yeah. And when it released, there was one particular arrow that no one could place. Uh, it turns out it's a Bliss Barb Archer arrow from the upcoming Slanesh releases. Oh. So they, they, they did a, they did a tease in a kit for upcoming oh, kits, cheeky. which I don't know if they've done before, like to that degree. <laughs> wow. Games Workshop, yeah. you tease. You right tease. okay no i didn't i didn't know that that's very cool <laughs> so yeah um, yeah and again don't uh, only because it come to mind because i had it out last night mm. again i know obviously we're talking about gw but again don't forget that other the other uh manufacturers do some you know uh giants and of uh of similar notes so again if you want to sort of make it a little bit easier on the wallet you know have a look at yeah. your options as well because again you can get really creative with some of those as well mm. so uh yeah so i think that's been uh the sons of bayamat battle tome um it's been fun actually doing it yeah. like this actually rather than just really an awful load of information it's it's good to talk uh it's mm. good to talk uh, <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> uh, and have it in a very casual and uh chatting way so hopefully you've enjoyed it in that style and again when we do our ruin episodes again going forward whether we cover you know battle tome codex a, a novel or or just a bit of you know Warhammer history, whatever we you know whatever topic mm. we choose, um, we need to actually think of some ideas actually of what we want yeah. to cover. Um, <laughs> <laughs> talking of that, um, and uh, yeah, you know it will be a lot. I said a lot in this format, just us chatting for an hour and you know gleaming some of the cool bits, and then obviously just having a, a laugh about it too. So hope you've enjoyed that. And mm. Cameron, where can people find you on the internet in this new year? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K, uh, where I'm mostly posting cat pictures and retweeting various uh, Australian politics-related things these days. But uh, I've got more holidays to get through, so there'll be more cat photos and stuff, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> if you want to check out my hobby stuff, you can specifically look me up on Instagram at realm underscore and underscore ruin, which I did update recently. Ooh. Not fully, because I did a did way too much in the gap where i kind of forgot about instagram but i've been working on some <laughs> death guard stuff because hey they finally know when they're getting the death guard out now so i'm happy about that uh, just, <laughs> just waiting for that message that it's delayed in australia particularly we'll see um 
<laughs> I, I don't put it past him. Um, and uh, otherwise, if you if you want to just chat in general, you can either check me out on Twitter or join our Discord, and I'll be mm-hmm. on there if you want to talk. Um, where can we find you? Uh, you can also find me on that same website of social media known as twitter.com uh, at ninjabadger7 and i have actually started posting on there again you know i mm. i said i would i said a new year's resolution was this year i would be more active on my own personal twitter because i you know generally uh, i don't spend as much time on social media as i used to because it gets difficult uh, mm. <laughs> this last year especially it's it's not as fun as it used to be um not necessarily warhammer but i just mean the world so but yeah i, I made a an active you know uh agenda to uh to you know be more active on there as well so yeah i've started uh talking on on there you know like eyeing up mm. ways to upgrade my computer and things yeah. like that so really exciting stuff <laughs> but no feel free to <laughs> to uh, follow or contact us on there if you want obviously you can follow uh our podcast on there at realm and ruin and uh, that's our main social media channel and as cameron said obviously feel free to join our lovely gorgeous discord as well and yeah. that's it that's been the first episode of 2021 it's good to be back uh talking mm. warhammer and obviously we've got a whole another year ahead of us uh it'll be our anniversary next month i think <laughs> february is yeah. our anniversary so that'll be yeah. our third year anniversary of oh the show my god so We've we need to think about long. that, Cameron. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. <laughs> we need to do something for that. So we will get thinking on that. And obviously, if mm. anyone has any ideas, then obviously throw them our way. Yeah, and, please. Uh, <laughs> so hopefully you have a, a good new year now, a good 2021, everyone. And mm-hmm. as always, you know, be good to each other. Don't tell anyone how to enjoy their hobby. And as always, we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Ta-ra!